1: Brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl
0: Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast. Stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Dominique Rock, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you. Uh, such a coincidence that you're in Brittany and I'm in Perpignan. What's the likelihood of that? <laughs> Unlikely. Dominic is the head of sourcing at firminish a Swiss company which provides the world's leading perfume brands with natural fragrances, essence and extracts. After the last 30 years, he has travelled the world sourcing different scents, Dominic has now written the book In Search of Perfumes, which is a book we're talking to about today, about his journeys and experiences within the perfume trade, including the impacts of climate change on natural sources of scents. It is a subject that I'm very, very interested in because I used to wear perfume and then my GP told me not to, so I stopped.
2: Why? Why did you stop?
0: Well, because the doctor told me, my doctor told me to stop.
2: Okay, uh, on, on the base of that, s- some of these ingredients may be a damage to your health? Toxic,
0: I think she said.
2: Okay, that's, that's a long story. There's a lot of debate about that between quite opposite positions.
0: Some, Talk to me about that.
2: Yeah, right. Some arguing that, you know, there's nothing uh, as good as essential oils uh, for your mind and your body and and others um, investigating more of uh, what are the, the various components, what are the, the molecules uh, that, that make an essential oil? And the first thing that is usually traced is that some of them may be allergens, okay, giving you allergies. So that's let's say step one. And this is why over the years, uh, the industry has uh, decided on self restrictions on, on on some of the ingredients that that they are used to, but it, it's a very large debate because a perfume is is uh, always composed of synthetic molecules and natural ingredients. So depending on your uh, level of sensitivity, uh, you know, some people just bluntly reject anything that is chemical that is synthetic and we'll go for naturals only and others like, you know, like your doctor did for you, will warn you about, you know, some of the aspects on, on both sides. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's a pretty much never-ending uh, discussion. Do you wear perfume? Yeah, I do. Hmm. Hmm. I like it. What's your favourite scent? Uh, I, I like I like woody notes a lot. So I, I'm very attracted to perfumes that contain vetiver or uh, cedar, um, yeah, anything, uh, sandalwood, which will bring us to uh, Australia in that case. I like woods a lot. I think they, well, you know, there's also a discussion about, you know, perfume gender, because it used to be very clear distinction between uh, perfumes for women and perfumes for men. So my Sort of woody inclination would be seen as a, as a male preference, but everything is changed now, and and there are very beautiful combinations between flowery and woody, and uh, to be worn both by men and women.
0: Yeah. I didn't think about gender, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, I'd always found aftershaves, well, as we call them in Australia, um, male sense, um, just to be so um, potent, I think. Um, this is a big, a huge career, you know, over 30 years in perfumes. Uh, my career is over 30 years in books. <laughs> so I wanna, even better. <laughs> so I want to know how a career in perfume starts. Take me right back.
2: Okay well uh in my case it it all happened by by chance one thing leading into another I I had you know I had studied uh, business I didn't really feel like uh, entering a business career when I left uh, school so I was very attracted to trees and plants I started uh, testing myself as a lumberjack uh, actually and uh And after uh, cutting woods, I ended up uh, meeting people who were testing the distillation of uh, pine needles, you know, speaking of forest. And yes, I discovered that there was a link between forest trees and perfumery. And uh, I joined this this very young company in southwestern France that uh, really wanted to to bring something new to perfumery. And we started uh, with the idea that to make really, beautiful ingredients, we had to go to the source, to to where the plants were growing. And this is how I started. I traveled to Andalusia in in southern Spain, because over there, there's an absolutely fascinating plant, which uh, they call locally jara, uh, which we call cistus or rock rose uh, sometime in English, uh, which is a shrub doesn't grow very high but in in, in the summer gets covered with a, a gum very very sticky gum all the leaves and incredibly fragrant something uh, incredibly uh, strong and uh, getting to andalusia I, I I started discovering that this gum was recovered and produced uh, in in the most uh, simplest way by the Roma people and communities, and it it was uh, absolutely fabulous to discover that, uh, what they were doing, the hard work to cut the shrubs, to make the bundles, then to boil them, to add uh, the acid uh, to recover the gum, uh, all this in the most primitive ways. And that was for me the signal that if I was exposed to this uh, precisely on one example, then there was probably an entire world of, of this type of crafting uh, to be discovered. You know, they had they had the tradition and capacity and knowledge to turn leaves and a plant into uh, a gum, which although they, they, they barely knew anything about it, but this gum was was directly used by the perfumery industry. Yeah,
0: wow. Wow. Okay. So what happened from there?
2: So that was my first experience in in Spain. And then I moved to other countries because we wanted to have more, uh, setting more distilleries uh, throughout the world. So I went to Bulgaria to discover the rose pickers, who who by chance happened to be Roma again. And there uh, we we bought a a very old, broken uh, distillery because even if Bulgaria had uh, an incredible reputation through history of being the, the cradle of the rose oil, the famous rose oil. Um, because of the communist era, everything was pretty much uh, completely damaged and, and and barely still alive. So we bought an, an ancient distillery, restored it and and started planting new fields and uh, distilling rose oil, which is one of the most fabulous scents and uh, and, uh, you know, uh, that that you can imagine.
0: I think this must be for everybody. When you say rose oil, we all feel it and we all smell it. You just have to say the name.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And it's probably, it's one of these, uh, you know, handful of of products that trace back uh, in very, very ancient times. We believe that uh what we call the perfume rose rosa damascena uh, the rose from damascus actually originates from iran so from ancient persia and uh, from shiraz and from there the, the the rose traveled with the merchants with uh, with the islam also and settled in uh, you 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 will find this rose you you can follow it from from shiraz all the way to Morocco. And each time where she's still to be found, there's a story, an incredible story attached to that. And as it happened, um, the Sultan, one of the uh, most powerful sultans, decided that he wanted his roses to come from one of his provinces at the time, which was the center of Bulgaria. And this is why the rose uh, settled in, in a city called Kazanlak where all through the 18th and 19th century it was the rose the only rose you know uh wh- wh- whatever perfumer wanted the the ultimate quality of rose oil it had to be the rose from Bulgaria so hmm.
0: i want to talk to you about emotion and scent because did you have a, a stronger sense of smell than most people or is that was that something that you taught yourself over the years? Because, you know, when you have people that taste wine or, you know, like us, like read books, I mean, is it something that was innate for you? I mean, you know, there's that famous book. Um, ah, Le Parfum. Le Parfum. Yes, yes, of course, um, who had an exceptional nose. Yeah. Um, what did you have?
2: Uh, none of that. <laughs> none I, of that good. No, no. To to be honest, uh, all those years, I I developed, uh, you know, a a certain capacity to smell and recognize some some scents, but in no way am I a perfumer. What I did is I was more, uh, in the beginning, connected to the fields, to the way you grow plants, you collect them, you distill them. And what I did over the years, this is what I'm I'm trying to, to tell the stories of in the book, is connect the perfumers with that, those sources. Because many times, the perfumers, they're trained in, in labs and, and schools you know, to memorize and recognize dozens and dozens and uh, virtually hundreds of, of different scents. But uh, they don't have time. Uh, most of the time, they don't they they don't go to to the places where all these products originate. So when you take a famous perfumer and who's already has a fantastic career, has been the creator of uh, great perfumes, and you tell him, "Come with me. We'll go to smell jasmine in India, or we'll go to see how the roses grow in Bulgaria, or we'll go to see the cardamom in Guatemala," he's just completely enthusiastic. And what I'm I'm, I'm, I'm describing in the book, which has really had a lot of uh, a very strong effect on me, is how for a perfumer used to only smell something in a bottle, when he goes to the field and smells it in the field, it changes the perception and the way he will work after that. You know, smelling a rose in the morning in a field in Bulgaria is not the same thing as just smelling the blotter, you know, in a a small sample. So that, that was the connection between myself, not a perfumer, and the perfumers has been a most beautiful experience.
3: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
0: As I told you, my doctor told me not to wear perfume a few years ago, and I stopped. But I do have a strong sense of smell. I feel that smell is so tied up with emotion, with my upbringing, with, you know, my parents are Lebanese, so I had a Lebanese-Australian upbringing. And when I want to smell my mother, for instance, I'll open a bottle of rose water or orange blossom.
2: It's... You're speaking to my heart because I I was in Lebanon uh, one month ago. Oh, uh, you
0: lucky man!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which was absolutely uh, extraordinary. Especially, I wanted to investigate on all the history of the cedar, of course, Mm. of of the cedar tree. Beautiful. And 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 cedar and cedar resin is one of those amazing scents that really started the journey of uh, of mankind uh, with perfumes, because when Solomon was uh, (laughs) instructing the cedars to be cut for his temple. It was both for the quality of the wood to build the temple, but also because he was paneling everything with cedar so that the smell would be all around. And and it's an an incredible smell. When they discovered uh, in the tombs of of Cheops in Egypt, uh, the boat that that was uh, entirely... Made of cedar, and they opened the uh, uh, the tomb uh, you know almost four thousand years after the smell was still there. it was it struck the discoverers. The smell of cedar had survived thousands of years. It's amazing
0: it's absolutely amazing um, so for people, the novice like myself, I always assume the origin of perfume is
2: french um, the origin of I would say perfumerie. Not perfume. Uh, I think perfume has always been there. We, we, we told the story of cedar, there's a story of rose, and this is way, way, way before any French does anything to it. The truth is, commonly, it is uh, everybody agrees that the birth of the modern perfumery is at the beginning of the 18th century with the invention, we can say invention, of haute cologne. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Haute yeah. cologne was the first time people were able to take a lot of essential oils, like mostly Mediterranean, like bergamot, uh, bitter orange, rosemary, thyme, uh, lavender, and to mix it with alcohol. And the capacity of capturing the perfumes in alcohol, this is the birth of modern perfumery. And in that era, which again starts around, you know, 17 uh, something the french have been very very prominent and until the the sort of uh, golden age at the end of 19th century beginning of 20th century when grasse really became uh, officially the place of uh, perfume production perfume creation
0: mm. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and thousands of scents, right? And uh, over the years, every time there's actors launching a scent that suits them. There's singers, American singers that have a label, a scent label perfume. Kardashians have <laughs> perfume, and Chanel and Dior and everybody has a range of perfumes. Is there a difference in quality, like if you're paying, you know, $200 for 100ml versus $20 for 100ml, is is it for the rich, the perfect smell, or is it a more accessible scent and we've just got to find the right
2: one? This is an excellent question and a difficult one because because the answer to your question is you have to realise that there's a combination in, in the price of a perfume that you buy there's basically two things will will we'll join. There's the marketing. If you have to pay you know, an actress or uh, uh, very famous people to promote your perfume, then the cost of that may add up to being more than one third of the total cost of the perfume. And on the other hand, there's the content of your bottle, where also the truth is that Generally speaking, synthetic molecules are much cheaper than natural ingredients, which leads to the fact that if both are indispensable to make a good perfume, then the amount of natural ingredients that you will put in the bottle will definitely uh, give quality to your your perfume. So, you know, a, a good perfume Is a of course depends on the on on the perfumer, but is a perfume that will contain true rose oil and instead of synthetic, uh, true we've said it true sandalwood, uh, true ingredients, and and you can you can really smell the difference. You can Mm -hmm. smell the difference between what is used to be called uh, mainstream and niche perfumes, which are getting more and more popular. You know which were started by people like, uh, oh, I, I don't know, I don't want to, 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 to give too many brands, but Dior is mainstream. Chanel is sort of positioned in between, mm. uh, but people like Joe Malone uh, or um, Le Labo or the, this, this time of, of niche brands, they have made the cut because they were including more uh, high quality natural ingredients in the bottle. But then again, you know, if uh, J'adore uh, is still, you know, the, the, the best seller uh, perfume in the world, um, it's because of uh, Mrs. Charlize Theron, you know, and uh, well, it's a good perfume, but, but she <laughs> definitely the millions of dollars that are being put, you know, to the marketing campaign makes difference.
0: Mm, and so expensive. What about those, um, like, you know, for instance, uh, Giorgio Beverly Hills, which is a perfume brand that I really liked, but then it was discontinued. And then I started seeing it in markets or at places for $10, and it was, I don't know, um, maybe it was imitation perfume. Tell me about that market. Is it true? Is it, is yeah. it imitation?
2: It's yeah. huge. It's huge. Uh, Everybody knows it. You, 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 go to, um, you go to many, many, many places in, uh, in, in the world and you will find copies of uh, Chanel, Dior, everything, you know, everything, copies, copies, copies. But, uh,
0: I mean, how do you copy
2: perfume? You copy replacing the costly ingredients with cheap ones. So right. some of us may not really uh, smell the difference any perfumer will just scream and yell and cry smelling the copy and the original, you know? So it's a big, big problem for the brands, uh, but it's so large, so big that it cannot be stopped. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it, perfumes is not the only place for that, you know, shoes, bags, everything, yes. but yeah. Uh, if, if you found a, a bottle of something you liked a lot and it was $10, then it's a copy.
0: Mm.
2: And Mm. probably if you, if you smell it, you'll be disappointed.
0: Mm. Mm. So if I was a perfumery, why would I use you? What are you going to do for my business? Your expertise? How does that help the smell of perfume?
2: Okay. I'm, I'm invisible. You will not use me. What I'm, my role is to find anywhere in the world the best sources for the natural ingredients. If we keep our example of rose oil, OK? So my role is to say, OK, where is where's rose oil produced uh, currently in the world? There are some in Morocco. There's some in Bulgaria, some in Turkey, some in Azerbaijan, some in, um, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so in Ethiopia, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. So each time, the question is, okay, you know, how is it produced in each of these countries? Uh, how is it produced, it raises a lot of questions, you know. Uh, how are the people who pick, grow and pick the flowers treated? What kind of, uh, of uh, salary do they get? How do they use pesticide or uh, fertilizer and what type when they grow roses? Uh, are some of these roses organic? Uh, so there's, and, and then how is it distilled? Is it people who really know what they're doing, or people who are very amateur? So mm-hmm. there is this very important work of sorting things at source, and I was fortunate enough to have time uh, to go to visit, to talk to people, to meet them, and and to finally choose who I thought were the best and when you get the best ingredient I can tell you that the perfumers can can feel it of course they can smell it but they can also feel because again it's not only the the the, the drops in the bottle it's the whole story of the people who produce it which is attached to it and that people more and more are very careful about you know mm. Uh, with all the... the Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, we all want to know uh, the the source of our products and that everybody has been paid well and treated well along the way. What got you writing? Why did you decide to write about it?
2: I had a very strong experience, which I did not necessarily expect, but which happened on one of my most recent uh, trips when I went to uh, Somaliland in, in the Horn of Africa, uh, to discover frankincense. Frankincense, sometimes called olibanum, also in, in, in English, is, is probably the most ancient um, perfume used uh, by mankind. And it's a resin uh, that happens when you tap, when you, you you scratch the bark of the frankincense trees, which grow in very remote places in, in the Horn of Africa. So it took me a long, long time to get there because... These countries are very difficult to go to, uh, to get the permission and everything. When you get there, you have to have uh, armed guards that follow you everywhere, because some places can can be very dangerous. And I wanted so much to discover this frankincense over the years. And when I got to these hills, I had to climb. I had to go to uh, very remote places, high in altitude. And I really had an amazing experience scratching the surface myself with 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 a guy who was doing this amazing you scratch it and immediately you have like little milky pearls that appear on the surface of the wood and with the wind uh the the odor of frankincense was blowing in my face and it was so strong as an experience because i knew i was in a place with people and trees that were absolute and tools that were unchanged for 4,000 years. And I said to myself, but I'm witnessing a miracle, a miracle of the continuity of something man has been doing for uh, centuries and centuries. And I came back and I said, oh, no, I have to write this. I have to write something about this. So one thing leading into another, I gathered 18 different stories of that type.
0: Mm. Sometimes when you um, have to write a CV, for instance, a resume, when you're applying for a job and you write that resume and then you think, wow, I didn't realise I've done so much in my life. (laughs) Did you feel the same way when you were writing this book? Did you think, wow, what a career
2: I've had? I didn't necessarily feel that. What I felt was, wow, how incredibly fortunate I have been to meet this variety of incredible stories because I you know I finished the book and I looked at it myself uh, and I couldn't help but say, wow, <laughs> you yeah. know and it's not wow, what a great guy I am but wow, you know all of this I, I really have crossed and, and and met and it it gave me an incredibly warm feeling.
0: Mm. It's extraordinary. It's such a lovely story. It's very readable. Had you written before? No, no. All right. So, yeah, it just came to you, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I discovered I liked writing while doing it. Will you write more? Yes.
0: Extraordinary. It really is. It's such an interesting book. You're a lovely storyteller. The book is translated into English for us um, by Stephanie Smee, and the book is called In Search of Perfumes. Thank you so much, Dominic, for your time today.
2: Thanks to you. Thank you very much.
1: Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.